0: Dainty Lady, the book club of love. Hi, you're Elizabeth. Ha! Look at me. Look at me now. Uh, Hi, Barbara Ann. I'm looking at you. It's fun to have fun, but you have to not think that everyone in Los Angeles has COVID. (laughs) ha! Doing this over Zoom because I'm so afraid. Not everyone has COVID, Barbara. It's only one in five. That's better. So, how many people are in our family? Um, <laughs> Statistically, two people with COVID. Wee. Wee. All righty, it's twin sites. What do we got on the first act of episode The Upwards? spiral. Number eight. Well, my first twin side is if I ever say anything along the lines of take it with a grain of pepper again, that's you need to edit that shit right out. Okay. All right. Noted. Anything else? Listener Jamie, who you've also heard in one of the Love in the Time of COVID twin interviews, uh, she sent me a little email that says, apparently one of the largest factors in whether a survivor of a traumatic event will develop long-term PSD is whether or not other people observe and support what's going on. And she... Sent that in reference to my story about watching that cuckoo, crazy Trump speech where other people didn't have the same reaction I did. So she she was validating the fact that I got freaked out because nobody seemed to be seeing what I was seeing. Um my insight is your your what? My twin sight. Just want to acknowledge how mean I was about Tony Robbins. Interestingly enough in this episode that we're about to play, we talked about, you know, when you hate someone else, you're hating part of yourself and I I am curious what it is about him, you know that triggers such distrust and there's two things that i remember in the Mm -hmm. documentary and i should rewatch it again the whole thing because i went back and watched the scene where he jumps in the hole in the ground it was it was slightly different than i remember Uh uh slightly but there's another scene where he there's this couple and they're having sexual difficulties and Uh in my memory he takes his giant you know meat claw and like puts it in the guy's face and like crushes his head but i think what he does is he just like puts it on his shoulder or something but he's Uh he's a bully oh and then i and so i want to do a little bit more research and i found this dr oz clip and you know dr oz is <gasps> the boost. great and powerful dr oz I know. <laughs> exactly and i also got furious because he had four women with legit problems yeah who have come for advice and the thing that, that just broke me was there's a scene of them all writing this stuff down. No, they're not writing this shit down. They're gonna get a tape of this. There's a, you know, But it was that scene of like these sum, kind of submissive women. And the thing that really killed me above all else, there was a woman with this low cut dress and underneath the dress she's wearing this skin colored, I do sound crazy, don't I? Skin colored <laughs> undergarment. And all I could picture is like wardrobe going, you can't wear that low cut dress because it doesn't suit what we're going for here. And then they put her in a stinky <laughs> undergarment. You know, I'm like really reading into this stuff. Well, I I watched the same clip and uh, yeah, like one of the women had driven all night from her mother who'd just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. And the advice he's giving her is like, stand up straight, put your hands on your hips, like this biofeedback stuff That's just like smile more, you know, like the stuff that's not what, how does this help you and your mom that's dying? Like, I think that was also triggering too. like, when you're in that place where someone you love is dying, that's just the wrong energy to come at it with, you know. To me, he sounded out of his element like he had this shtick that he always says and he's on television and he can't tailor it. And it sounded ridiculous. It sounded it was ridiculous advice. You're going to come up with different solutions if you just put your hands on your hips and have a different outlook. Like Um, maybe I don't see him in me. Maybe I'm just concerned because it's the new year and I know a lot of people are making resolutions and. If any of those resolutions have anything to do with pouring out money, I'm in your ear. Um, I also did a little research on the author of the book that we're reading right now, Dr. Alex Korb. Uh Uh, Well, it turns out that he does have some stuff to sell besides the books. So I didn't mean to say that he doesn't sell anything at all. He has a six-week course, which was $795. I didn't get that, but I did sign up for his email and he had, it's like a mini thing with like these three videos that usually sells for 80 bucks, but he was selling it for five instead for the next six days. And he said he would like to give it away for free. But, and I quote, the more we have to work for something, the stronger we learn it and the more satisfying it is. If I gave it away for free, you wouldn't get as much benefit from it. I thought that was interesting. I mean, that's, I guess, sort of the reason that people would pay so much money for a Tony Robbins course because they feel like more money they give, the more it's going to be worth, which we all know is not exactly true so uh, yeah I signed up I-, I bought the little free little mini courses I watched the first one I'm not gonna say it's academic it's definitely scientific because okay. he even says I'm not a guru I'm a scientist I got a lot of good information because it was specifically tailored to the pandemic he put it out earlier in this year so uh you know what I'm not going to tell anybody to do anything that involves money but I like the videos that I watch so I'm just saying that I was, I thought maybe we should ask him to do an interview with us. Okay. What do you think? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You do it. You go ask him. Okay. There he is. See there's an says. email and there's a phone number. So we'll see. All right. Uh, text him. Start texting him. Text him. Start, start <laughs> drunk texting him. Sagittarius my dorsal stratum wants, wants to. <laughs> I be a little depressy, Wessie. <sighs> All right. Good luck with that. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. And now for. I have good memories. I think I know the guy you're talking about and I have good memories. I have a little memory of us going to dinner. Yes. Going to uh, shows. It's very helpful when you remind me of those good things. Moving right along. The movement spiral in chapter three, exercise. This guy, he was an old doctor guy. He said, if exercise could be packed into a pill, it would be the single most widely prescribed and beneficial medicine in the nation, in addition to taking Tony Robbins courses. <laughs> he did not say that. <laughs> thousands of dollars. <laughs> Hey, Barbara, yeah? exercise is uh, one of my favorite parts of life. Was it always? It was not always. I had a very... Oh, I remember trying to run in junior high school. It was like knives in our lungs, right? My, my guts hurt. Yeah. My leg hurt. My Yeah, my lungs hurt. I hated every minute of it. Yeah. I didn't start getting active until my 20s. And then I got into it super slowly by like... Yeah, I, tr- I tried to get into shape by taking a spin class that made me... <laughs> Think I was going to throw up, and I was like, "Nope, I'm not ready for that." So then I tried an exercise bike and did it for two minutes, and was bored and hurting. But anyway, like I built from two minutes to three minutes to five minutes, and then and then I became a Mexican wrestler. Yes, I remember doing a, like one sit up in college, and it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Yeah, we started Mexican wrestling. Oh, no. Before that, I went to ballet. I always wanted to take a ballet class as a kid, and I never got a chance. So as soon as I got a little bit of dough and some time out of college, I started taking ballet. And it was very, very hard and painful. And then I got super into it. And then from there, yes, Mexican wrestling came about. I mean, at the point is, though, you just keep trying stuff. Exercise is non-negotiable in in some form. You know, I know everybody has their limitations. But, man, I, I, I don't think you could get your brain in gear without doing some type of exercise. Are you with me on that one? I just want to encourage you to do that. I am, but I really remember how awful the idea of doing aerobic exercise, even now, makes me very sad. That's and the only reason we got into Lucha was, the only reasons, there are several. We had someone who was very talented, who trained us. Believed in us. And it was a very interesting, engaging, creative, challenging yeah. form of exercise. And then that inspired me to like do more exercising outside of the mexican wrestling because then that would make me a better mexican wrestler like I, I had a different motivation can you imagine yourself in a fucking like a boot camp or something no not the, you can do your boot camp but just don't treat your instructor like a guru okay this is really an anti-guru podcast <laughs> well some people love boot camp yeah Us, exactly we do not love boot camp no do you remember when we tried to run around my neighborhood by the way please <laughs> <laughs> how many minute did we run <laughs> how many minute did we run? <laughs> Yeah. I just, again, like uh, exercise, build your Johnny Neutrinos and your gray matters. And you don't even have to think about your brains when you do that. That's why I love exercise because of that. But if you do have something like ballet or lucha or something specific that does engage your brain, you might even enjoy it more. Yeah. Keep looking to find yeah. something that gets you moving. I think what, when we got into lucha libre, I was going through a divorce. And I think it really prevented me from being a full-blown alchemagolic. <laughs> because I couldn't I needed to be fit I needed to not be hungover you can't drink at the shows or or in general you know a a beer gut looks kind of silly hanging out of a really tight vinyl outfit except for like after the training the first thing all the guys would do is crack open some brewskis and after training yes but they all had magic belts and we did not We would train with only, usually only men. Yeah. The best was with women, though. I I still cherish our all-lady matches at Lutra Vum. Yeah. um, Training with dudes was was fun, too, though. Yeah, depending on who the dudes were. That's true. Well, training with our trainer, Mysterioso, that was so good. Yes, and his children. It was a family thing for him. And he would introduce us to some move. I remember the first time I committed to doing three sit-ups was... (laughs) There was a thing where, I wish I knew the name in Spanish or even in English, but he was sitting on the turnbuckle, and what I needed to do was do a hand, like run up to the turnbuckle, do a handstand. My legs would go over his shoulders, shoulders and then I would use my abs to pull myself up so I was sitting on his shoulders, and And then I would do a backflip off of his shoulders and land on my feet, and I could not pull myself up with my abs, so I went home and did... Four sit-ups. At least seven, (laughs) and then I eventually could do it, and I was so proud of myself, and... That's it, really. I mean, I was proud of myself. And then, it, you know, and it just progressed from there. Exercise makes you feel good about yourself. It makes you able to do stuff. Well, yeah, more than anything, it's it will help you with depression. It will change your brain chemistry. Yeah. And then he breaks down, how do you start moving? And he breaks it down in the most accessible ways possible. So even if you can't get out of bed, like I could not get out of bed this morning, he's he's got a plan for you. Oh, <laughs> um, you know... I think this would be a good place to cut in my story about the rug because there's one paragraph that says, run, forest, run. And that is just, there is no goal. You're just, you start to run and you just keep going. And there is an element of the rug story that I didn't include, which was the actual, what I did, did lift the depression, the physical activity of it. And once I told my dad the story of what I'd would a- i done that night, he told me a story about having a fight with a girlfriend or something and walking from Pasadena to downtown LA <laughs> one night <laughs> and morning. You totally outdid me. But that (laughs) walking off your upsets, I think, is probably in the family. And I think there's a physiological and chemical reason why that works. So now we'll cut to the rug story.
1: Depressed ladies. Where are you going with that that rug? I don't know if you'll remember this at all, but we were having dinner at your house
0: we used to with our dad we would have dinner every Wednesday, which is called wine and cheese. And one night I was just a little too I don't know what it was, maybe PMS or I, someone I knew was dying. It was the first person I kinda knew who was dying. A lot of things kinda came together and we were sitting in Vera's living room and I looked down at the floor and thought, Hey, that's my rug. What hey, that's my rug. And I said, Hey Vera, can I um can I get that rug back? would you say? i said no you said no did you no because you had lent it to me and it was in my apartment Mm -hmm. and i said no i want that rug back (laughs) and i said no and then i said no i want that rug back (laughs) and our poor dad is just sitting there watching his two grown women in their mid-20s like <laughs> brawling over this fucking physically, giant, b- physically brawling, right? Because like you grabbed it and I tried to grab <laughs> it. This is an oriental rug the size of her living room, <laughs> and I finally like, rested it away from her. This is before we're wrestling too or doing Velvet <laughs> Hammer or anything. And Vera lived over by Lachma mm-hmm. in Midwilshire, and I I got the rug, I rolled it up, I said, "I'm out of here. Someone's gonna come pick me up." and then i walked it from (laughs) wilshire and fairfax down to wilshire and western and for those of you who don't know this is like nine o'clock at night with a giant rug on my shoulder no phone nothing Uh drunk um that's like an hour walk by yourself (laughs) with a fucking huge the only thing i could think of is no one is gonna mess with me because (laughs) i have a giant rug on my shoulder i look crazy (laughs) and then i got on the subway Oh. with my fucking rug and by now it's like 10 10 30 and um took the subway over to los Feliz, and then walked it up you know four or five blocks to my apartment and where is it now oh i hated that rug. <laughs> <laughs> i gave it to a boyfriend never thought about it again chapter four the breath and body spiral i got an upright go let's hear all about it it's a little device that you stick on your back and when you slouch over it, goes <laughs> and it makes you stand up straight again. And has it been working? It's, yeah, I wear it at my desk and it is annoying. It makes me sit up straight. How often does it buzz? I sit up pretty straight now, so not that often. Um, it's really important to feel comfortable, so says Alex Korb. Don't be too cold. Oh, I love S- that part. Sit up straight, smile, biofeedback. If your body is doing stuff that's comfortable and happy, your brain is going to go, oh, I'm comfortable and happy. That's biofeedbacks you got to have water and you got to breathe. There's also a little bit where he says, here's an additional tip for changing your body's physiology during moments of stress. Splash some cold water on your face. This triggers a reflex in the vagus nerve to slow down the heart. My note here is, why aren't we giving like a class on how your body works? Shouldn't this be like a sixth grade class that you take where you learn science about your body? Science about your body. This thing that you walk around in your entire life. Know how to use it. Why isn't that important? Look, we've already covered, Barbara, that as long as something comes out of somewhere we covered this in the sex, sex it. yeah yeah how about um this is in the regular book page 141 he talks about music and the way that it varies up your heart rate that increases good feelings on a physical level I love music gets me out of my head and it makes me dance a little bit and yeah music's really great for combating depression and anxiety but there's a reason for it there's a physical reason for it heart rate variability there's um, a section called relax your face relax your muscles to relax your mind tight muscles in your body also have a negative effect on mood and depression and when I get stressed, I have an eyelid twitch. I've had it for months and months and months. The first time it went away was the day I found out my divorce had been finalized. Mm-hmm. And I found out in the morning and by the afternoon it was gone and it had lasted maybe four months. I had gotten massages. I'd done everything. I started taking, you know, CBD. I'd done everything I possibly could. And then I got it again maybe four months ago. And the day after Biden <laughs> gave his Biden speech, it disappeared again. How weird. I know. I also get an eyelid twitch that usually goes away miraculously around break, winter uh-huh. break. It makes me feel so vulnerable. Like when I'm, I'm trying to not have social anxiety, I'm trying to talk to people, but my face is twitching. Well, I also get, I definitely get a, an eyelid twitch in uncomfortable social situations. And I got, I was at a baby shower for my husband's friends and I was like by myself a lot and like trying to like kind of walking around trying to talk to people and I uh, this British woman who also didn't know a lot of a whole lot of people like struck up a conversation with me and I was like oh good I'm talking to somebody and then as we're talking she interrupts me and goes oh do you know that your eyelid is twitching oh geez I'm like oh wow the, like, thanks honey <laughs> yeah it's like yeah finally finally I'm yeah it's just me it's just me being relaxed and social your eyelid twitching <laughs> yeah it made me feel bad and then there's chapter five hey page 87 really actually good advice be sleepier yes you love this i cannot relate to this because i'm constantly sleepy and <laughs> just how wonderful i a late basically it boils down to if you go to bed and you're just laying there get out of bed and go to bed later but here's the trick you got to get up at the same time yeah that's pretty simple yeah we were talking about this in our twitter lude about how terrible it is when you can't fall asleep. Yeah. I think there's nothing worse. I mean, that's a complete overstatement. <laughs> You're right. But it's definitely something that I would like to solve that problem. And uh, for parents, especially new parents, the chances that your brain is super fucked up right now are very, very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Blaine used to get up with my son for the like the nighttime feeding and diaper change. But I would I would also have to get up to pump milk. And I would just sit there and I would watch Married with Children. That's like, that's like <laughs> with the volume low so I wouldn't wake up my husband and child. You wanted to watch a family that was worse off than <laughs> yours. <laughs> that's just what it was on. That's what oh, it was like, on. Okay. It was on at like 4.30 in the morning. Oh, so boy. I would just sit there and pump milk and watch Married with Children. Okay. Quality sleep is important in regulating the serotonin system as consistent bad sleep actually reduces sensitivity of serotonin receptors. Yeah. So... If you have a child or three at once um, and you don't sleep for two years, you, you might be a little nuts, which is where I think all this, you know, this new anxiety for me has definitely was part of that. Eh. And then he gives you tips for how to practice good sleep hygiene. You know what you also need? What? Social spirals. Is that in the next chapter? Yeah, it is. Okay. Do you like my segue? you. Yeah. Get Let's get there Okay I have It says page 94 Paper cut It's also painful To experience social rejection Yeah He said uh, The same pain circuits In your brain That get activated By a paper cut Or by burning your hand On the stove Get activated By social rejection Or a rude British woman Telling you that Your <laughs> eyelid is switching Did you have social anxiety? Like um, debilitatingly Yeah so. <laughs> Like I won't go to a party If I don't know That like my best friend I take you to parties Constantly Yes it's We have best. like screenings And we have wrap parties Because we work in Hollywood and I, I always take my therapy twin with me. Yes. And then I often just stand there and talk to my therapy twin. Yeah, and we then, have lots to say to each and other. And then we leave. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we do. I wasn't able to label social anxiety until um, maybe like four years ago. I've clearly had it all my life. But when I was younger, I think it was easier just to down five galls. You know what I mean? galls like, make me more socially anxious, though. Because then I feel like I'm just saying stupid stuff. I do. it, And, and you know why? Because usually I am. If I have that's five, that's not true. If I have five alcumegals, I'm gonna say stupid. You're stuff. delightful. I've never heard you say stupid stuff. Thank you. Like one alchemagol over two hours might be a good now or then. Well, now, like before your liver started. No, back back in the day, it was you know it was endurance drinking. Yes. It's like how many tequilas can I get down my throat? Oh my god! And I'm just gonna stand here like really silently but smiling. <laughs> Speaking of tequilas and new parents, can we give a shout out to our friend Martin, who once, while we were sitting around in a circle in my bedroom, right out of college, doing tequila shots, he <laughs> threw one back oh. and then on the way down, vomited. <laughs> love you, Martin. And I had carpet. And now he <laughs> and, has a baby. And you're a great dad. <laughs> yeah, you are. Get some sleep. <laughs> Um, Hey, good Virgo. Yeah, good Virgo boy. The social spiral dealing with negative judgments, the more critical you are of others, the more likely you are to feel that others are critical of you. (laughs) Thus, one of the best ways to reduce your own concern about the negative judgments and criticisms of other people is to reduce your own negative judgment and criticism. Hey, I just wanted to say that out loud. I mean, I think that should be obvious, but. If you're feeling very judgmental of people and then you're talking shit about them, that's coming from inside, baby. The call is coming from inside the <laughs> house. You know what I mean? I just assume that now, especially if I'm doing it. I go, yeah. oh, I'm unhappy with myself. Yeah. Just like about I, this specific thing that I'm criticizing somebody else. Yes. Sometimes. Actually, it's very <laughs> telling when you are, especially if it's somebody who you don't know who hasn't done anything to you personally, it's a very good way to discover what you're having troubles with in your own life. You know, you hate someone's- uh... Podcast? Oh God. (laughs) No, I love everyone's podcasts. Especially people who criticize other people's creative endeavors yes oh, oh yes and that is why we surround ourselves with i i think you know we have a very select group of ever widening circle of, of associates various, of associates yes yeah. and, who, and they're all radical yes if you're listening to this you're probably radical and to tubular fi- to finish up that thought add a bit more kindness and compassion to how you treat yourself and it will help you in your relationship with others there's a loneliness and social isolation paragraph what page it's on page 95. And again, we're sorry we're using the workbook and not the regular book if you got the regular book. But you should get the workbook too. Yeah. I've solved that. I made three best friends. And I, <laughs> I'm completely aware of that. I My best friend is seven. And finally I have someone to stay up and watch TV with me. Unfortunately, it's um, what we do in the shadows like five times in a row. Except for that one episode with all the wing wings. All the wings on them. No, I love having a best friend that just says crazy stuff constantly. So delightful. We also have which I never had in my 20s, but now I have almost exclusively lady friends. Did you used to be a girl who's just like more comfortable with the guys? No, I was a girl who needed to ensorcil someone's wing wing, you know <laughs> to feel like I had a value and all that stuff. And I didn't know how to talk to women. You had your twin? I did. I've had best lady friends my whole life, but now it's almost all lady friends. I was very intimidated by ladies, yeah, because I didn't like myself. I felt very insecure. And it's hard. I think it's hard it takes a long time, I think, sometimes to find good, compatible friends. Mm-hmm. And I think we've collected over, like, every 10 years we meet somebody we love. Yes. Right? Um, I, I have so many friends that I love now. Oh, okay. Well, just me then. <laughs> okay, doing the math, I have four friends. Um, and uh, oh. ooh, ooh. Within um, social spiral, there's a couple other spirals. One of them is a physical contact spiral. And I just want to acknowledge the fact that some people right now are getting zero physical spiral. There's like a list of stuff. I mean, I can read it quick and you can say if these are useful. Sure. It. Can people do these? Extended hug. No. Nope. Pat on the back. Maybe. Hugging gu- hello. Nope. Hugging goodbye. Nope. Shaking hands. Nope. High five. Nope. Holding hands. Nope. Kissing on the cheek. No. Kissing on the lips. Nope. Dancing with a partner. Nope. Getting a haircut. Nope. Getting pedicure slash manicure. Please don't. Okay. And then another spiral that you might not be getting right now is called the sex spiral. Is that in this book? Yeah. Oh. Page 111. But then, next page, the generosity and giving spiral. You can definitely do a lot of this stuff. Focusing on compassion and on helping others is a great way to reverse the course of depression because it activates the brain's reward system. I find giving to be... How do I put this? There's a snowball effect. Once you start giving, it's hard to stop. Yeah, there's a list also of things that you can do for the generosity and giving spiral. I love giving someone a smile. You can't. You just can't. <laughs> you could can be a good listener. Yes. The group spiral. We've had. We've been a part of many groups. Velvet Hammer mm-hmm. was a group, and I think we both grieved when we lost that. A, burle- a burlesque show group. Yes. Uh, if you don't know what the Velvet Hammer is, and you're at all interested in the history of burlesque, you should look it up. We've had. There's a great documentary by Augusta. Uh, where see? where could you see that? I don't know. That's well, a Maybe question. we'll try and find a link for yeah, it. Yeah, we will. We've been a part of Toby Huss's Sony show, and that's over, and that's sad. Lucia voom we don't have right now. We would normally. It'll be coming back with a vengeance. Though. Yeah, but that stuff is all community, and I am also in. I mean, a processing group, which is like it's not group therapy, but it's you know it was set up by my therapist, and it's with other women, and it's so helpful. And you can do. I think actually. These kind of groups are probably more accessible now because it's all through Zoom. So I would highly recommend trying to find your niche and get into a group. Some of his suggestions are join a CrossFit gym. Well, that's not us at all, is it? No. Or, or attend a church, except no. for Almighty Op. Yes. Join a sports league. Well, Mexican wrestling. Mm-hmm. There's some other stuff in Canine here. Spiral. I, we're allergic to dogs. I just, that's all I wrote to Yeah, allergic. (laughs) There's some, I mean, I want to explain, by the way, allergies to animals. It's kind of like in the upside down in Stranger Things where there's just like that pollen floating everywhere. And normal people can't see it unless you're in the upside down. And then you're just like, what is this place I'm in? That's what it feels like. When I walk into a house with animals, I feel like I'm in the upside down because I just, (gasps) nose running and eyes running. (gasps) That's what it's like. Have you been around a hypoallergenic dog? They're wonderful. Because they have hair. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) In conclusion for that chapter, even someone who is no longer with you still exists in a very real way in the neural pathways and synaptic connections in your brain. You could have a conversation with them. You'd know how they would react. And the closer you are to them, the better you know them and the more accurate your representation of them is. So even when you're alone, the people in your life are in your brain. And I think that's lovely. Yeah. I think our dad is in our brain. Yeah. 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 Chapter seven, the goals and decisions spiral. By allowing the prefrontal cortex to exert influence over, this your is dorsal. one where like at the front of your brain takes over for the. Wait, no, you you tell me. You tell <laughs> me. No, you <laughs> started this. <laughs> Wait, where are you reading that? Oh yeah. <laughs> By allowing the prefrontal cortex, that's the thinking part of your head, to exert influence over the dorsal striatum, decisions and goals help you override unhelpful habits. So, yeah, it's like the thinky part of your brain taking over for the less thinky part of your brain. The action. Yeah, the action part. And then things sort of go on automatic a little bit more is how I read it. And that's, again, like exercise. I don't want to have to think too much about this stuff because then I start to overthink about it. Um, There's a turn down the volume on your emotional reactivity. Um, Step one, focus on what you can control. Step two, focus on what is certain. Step three, focus on reducing perceived consequences. This is something I really need to focus on. (laughs) Perceived (laughs) consequences. That's like when you dwell in the future. Yes. Like my life is going to be terrible. When I found out that I was pregnant with three children... All I could do was plan. I would lay in bed at night trying to figure out how I would get three, you know, premature infants down the stairs if I needed to escape. Like, (laughs) it was that level of very real an impossible thinking. But by the way, uh, NICU wards have, it's like a serape kind of thing. You stick your head through this like blanket mm-hmm. and this is made out of like plastic and there's little pockets and you put your infants in your pockets. You can put like six on your front and six on your back. And so if a hospital has a fire, that's how they get NICU infants oh, out. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's so cute. Anyway, so, you know, like I was trying to problem solve like that and it, it drove me crazy and I had so much other things on my plate. But when it's very real stuff like that, it, it really does affect your brain have you ever tried to clean out a hoarder house with your mind doesn't work just letting yes you know. i have <laughs> <laughs> yes oh my goodness hey. you, you get up in the morning and you go none of that will work <laughs> um did you know that happiness is not a helpful goal tell me about it Happiness is too abstract to be a useful goal. Happiness is not a place you get to. It's a result of your actions, your goals, and your values all lining up. Values provide direction, but creating goals consistent with those values and breaking those down into actionable steps will help you get somewhere meaningful. And as we're getting close to New Year's and people are going to be setting goals, the other book as well says this. Your goal has to be defined. And here's the other thing, achievable. So you can't say your goal is to like be an astronaut unless you have your steps. Well, I'm going to go to astronaut school. I'm going to practice eating astronaut food. You know what I mean? I'm going to practice holding my breath cuz there's no air in space, you know? Wait, you have to write all that stuff down? Cuz well, anything's achievable, isn't it? Is it? If you don't have the steps, I mean, do you have to write down all the steps? Shouldn't you? Shouldn't you have a plan? What's an example of something that's not achievable? Okay, well, let's try this. I want to write a screenplay. Okay. So, what are the steps to writing a screenplay? You go to a Starbucks. Number one. You um, log order. on to log on to Facebook. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Step number two. Step number three. Strike up a conversation with the guy who's also at Starbucks mm-hmm. writing his screenplay. Yes. Okay. Maybe smoke a cigarette. Smoke a I think cigarette. It's about time. Get a refill on your tea. Free mm-hmm. refill because yeah. you've been there. Um, and then go home. <laughs> So, there you go. Exactly.
1: (laughs) What's up, chicken butt? Thank you once again for listening to this episode of Dady Ladies. I'm going to keep it short and sweet tonight. A reminder for you to please go to wherever you find podcasts, locating dating Ladies and giving the podcast five stars before or after writing a short review, singing the praises of Barbara Ann and Vera Duffy. It's a new year, and it's a new chance to show your support if you like this podcast. We'd also like to remind you that if you'd like to contact Barbara and Vera, you can do so on Instagram. You can find at Dady Ladies. You can find at The Pooh Bell Twins. You can go to Facebook. You can find The Pooh Bell Twins. And... Last but not least, you can go and mail a letter or a package or a postcard to P.O. Box 121, North Hollywood, California, 91603 of this series on The Upward Spiral by Dr. Alex Korb will be available next week. So please come back, listen up, subscribe, be nice, and enjoy. Ciao and bye-bye.